0: Father, we bless you and we love you. We thank you for being our king, friend, brother. We want to thank you because you've done the greatest of things and that is giving us salvation, O king of glory. We know, Lord, that even if we don't have much, but we focus on this that you've done, that would be more than sufficient, king of majesty. Forgive us for many times we wander in our thoughts and our focus in grumbling and many other things that we do, complaining, Lord, against you, and yet you've done the very best in our lives. I want to pray that you help us preserve that that you've already put in our lives, which is salvation for those of us who believe. And I want to pray for those that don't know you yet, that they will turn to you so they will find the rest for their souls, and not just now, but also for eternity. In Jesus' my name we prayed and believed. Amen, 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 amen. A blessed and wonderful day, my dear friend, wherever you're picking this message from. My name is uh, uh, Levrandevi Kagwan that is reaching you with the word of God. Uh, to the Church of Christ without borders. Today I've chosen to do this message in English, um, first and foremost because of the nature of the content, but also, secondly, basically because uh, uh, we have many of our brethren that are reaching out and uh, they are saying they want these messages in English as well. So I think I'll take some time uh, doing these messages in English. Uh, I may slot in Uganda at some point as well when the time uh, comes. Uh, for the Luganda speakers as well. Now, friends, I I don't know what you can possibly regard as the, uh, you know, the very best or most important thing of your life. I don't actually know. But oftentimes we complain against God and, uh, you know, we are telling him, I don't have this, I don't have the other. And yet, friends, if you're born again, uh, you're basically going to discover that you have the very best of things already given to you in your life. And the others can actually wait, but there is uh, something that can't wait, and that is your uh, your peace in Christ, and that is your, your, your salvation. And once we have that, we uh, actually are actually sorted and uh, settled. Today I was talking to someone this morning that was telling me about a friend that uh, um, got a bad fall when they were fixing uh, an electric lamp and they hurt their back, and it started uh, gradually, but right now, uh, they have to go for an operation, and uh, they, they they need about 18 million shillings from them, and is in pain. But you, you get to look at all these things. These are not things that we treasure before the Lord. We don't thank him for life, for, you know, for our abilities, for everything that we have. You know, when we do, it is kind of passive. So, friends, this is something that I wanted to start with, but that said, eh, You must guard that that we have, which is salvation. This is what we are talking about here. You must guard it. And uh, this is uh, actually a very good precursor to the message that we have this morning. Our passage this morning is uh, Revelation chapter 17, and we've been doing this for some time, uh, studies in the book of Revelation. And uh, our theme is entitled, um, The Fall of Spiritual Babylon as a Blueprint, to guard against our spiritual lives the fall of spiritual Babylon as a blueprint to guard against uh, um, our spiritual lives or the fall of our spiritual lives praise the Lord permit me to read uh, Revelation 17 up to verse 6 and what I'm going to be doing is that I'll basically use that the rest of the chapter to interpret what we have before us because uh, as you know the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself and uh, what John does here is uh, that uh, he brings stuff out in the first part of the chapter. And what he basically does in the rest of the chapter is that uh, he goes right ahead to explain what he uh, has brought before that. Revelation 17, permit me to read from verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven pounds came and uh, talked with me, saying to me, come. I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits uh, on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth are committed fornication, and uh, the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of a fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of um, names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed. In purple and scarlet and all those things have meaning, my friend, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations, and the fifthness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, and uh, the mother of Harlots, oh dear, and of the abominations of the earth. That is quite a statement. We'll explain it. I saw the woman drunk with uh, the blood of the saints and with uh, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And uh, when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And God, um, John very soon is going to be responding to uh, that marveling that uh, uh, John was experiencing. Friends, we've gotten to a point when judgment uh, has um, formally passed but um, what John actually does right now is uh, he takes us fast forward and he kind of singles out uh, Babylon that basically was also judged by God. Of course, uh, when he speaks of the last bowel of the seven, uh, what that actually means is that it grounds up judgment in perspective and therefore he singles out uh, Babylon for reason that we are going to see and uh, gives us the detail of its judgment. I also want us to take in context um, the fact that in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 20, we shall be seeing what we mean or what we call the Great White Throne Judgment. Yeah, that is going to come uh, later on after, um, you know, the incarceration of um, uh, the beast or the Antichrist and uh, his prophet and uh, also the devil himself. And uh, then uh, we are going also to see the great white throne judgment. But uh, in perspective, in line with uh, the um, three sevenfold uh, line of judgments, we know that uh, um, the bold judgments were the last. Now, Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 18 are going basically to speak about Babylon. They are dedicated to Babylon. And you're going to discover that the Bible gives quite some attention to uh, Babylon. And uh, Babylon in the Bible is largely synonymous with evil, with the devil, with perversion and perdition. It is basically synonymous with uh, those um, uh, phenomenon. Uh, you see the, 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 those phenomena. It is basically synonymous with them, and we're going to see that. Now, th- this is where I have issues uh, where people don't want us to talk about the devil, and uh, they think you're giving him prominency. Babylon um, besides Jerusalem, if you look at Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the city of God, is the Zion of God. And in the Bible, it is the city that is basically, you know, uh, spoken of the most times. But after um, Jerusalem, you're going to find that um, um, Babylon is spoken about um, over 300 times in the Bible. In the book of Revelation alone, we have about 404 verses but uh, nearly one in ten speaks about Babylon. It may not directly say Babylon, but uh, we are saying it is uh, about Babylon. You, you see that? Forty-two times it is, it is written about in the book of Revelation. So you get to see that God is not giving prominency to the devil, but basically, I mean, he, he's showing us our enemy. And therefore, you've gotten to heed uh, what this guy does. Okay, so what do we see here? First and foremost, he says that one of the seven angels who had the seven bowels came and uh, talked with me. He doesn't specify who the angel was exactly because uh, each of the bowels had an angel, but it was one of the seven. And he says, uh, saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of a fornication so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and i saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and uh, the fitness of her fornication, and on her forehead, a name was written Mystery Babylon, uh, the great, the mother of all harlots, and uh, of the abominations of the earth. Now, this is where I want us to make a connection. Now, from verse 1 to verse 4, uh, John basically is writing about this mysterious woman um, whom she calls a harlot, and in some a version she's actually called a prostitute and she explains that uh, uh, she wasn't a good person at all you don't want to be described like she was <laughs> you don't you, you, you see that and she she has done lots of things and you also realize that she has a lot of influence but when you come to verse five you get to realize that what John actually does here he explains to us that this woman and Babylon are one and the same thing. You see that, and look at what he says in verse five. And on her forehead a name was written: Mystery Babylon, the Great, the Mother of Harlots and of the Abominations of the Earth. You see that. I wanted to take it from there. He says, and on her forehead, and basically, um, you know, scripturally speaking. Uh, and um, logically speaking, you're going to realize that uh, when something is uh, written on someone's forehead, it is that significant, it is that important to them. But it is also a, a representation of what they believe in. Um, w- w- when you go to uh, Deuteronomy, you're going to discover in um, um, Deuteronomy, you'll discover that um, the Lord told Israel to get right the law and, um, you know, tie it on their forehead and on their hands. In other words, meaning they were committing to his perceptions as um, uh, it gives them precepts, and uh, they were also conforming to um, doing his will by tying it on the hand. That's what they meant, and by tying it on the head, they meant that they were committing to, you know, following it through. Uh, basically, I think you get to see this. So, basically, by this woman being adorned with this sort of banner on her head, uh, or um tavern, we get to see this. it says, and on our forehead a name was written, mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So what does this actually mean? Now, we need to go and uh, get to look at the Bible because I told you I've told you time uh, without number that it's the Bible that can best interpret the Bible. We need to go to Genesis. Because this is when we first get to see a uh, dimension of um, this uh, term Babylon, we want to see what it is uh, down here. Now, in Genesis chapter ten, verse eight, is where we get to first see Babylon, and uh, there is a man uh, to whom it is connected. Uh, Genesis chapter ten. Let me take it from verse six. It says, "The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim." put and Kenan. The sons of Kosh were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabteka, And the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan. Kosh begot Nimrod. You see? So we are getting to see the lineage of Noah. And um, we get to see that uh, this guy here, Kosh, was a great-grandson of Noah and is begetting a man called Nimrod. Now, you need to take note of that name. It is going to be very important in history, not for any good reason but for a very bad reason. By the way, uh, speaking of the passage that we are doing, the main passage that we have in, uh, um, in Revelation 17, when the Lord is giving us this one, he speaks of this woman as being great. Uh, which verse is it? When you look at uh, verse, um, yeah, verse 5, he says, "Mystery Babylon, the great, I mean, it is evil, but it is great in its evil. Friends, we need to be very, very careful. People seeking greatness and fame. But, I I mean, how are you getting it? And uh, what shall it profit you if you shall be a great uh, fornicator, a great politician that kills everyone else, a great politician that amasses wealth at the expense of others, a man with a great name, a great scientist that is basically deviating from the norms of uh, morality and the fear of the Lord, and They speak about you like Hitler, like Mussolini. They speak about you like, um, you know, Albert Einstein that um, was a great physicist but uh was against the Lord. Now, what sort of greatness is that that takes you against God? You basically lose the very core of being. You need to stand one against that. You, you, I mean, you, you, you want to be seen as a beautiful lady and uh as as. As, as a woman that is uh, respected by all men in terms of uh, your beauty, but you sleep with this and that, the other every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And my, I mean, how great is your beauty in that perspective? How great is your wealth if your wealth is um, taking you to the level of uh, you know sustaining it through demonic covenants and stuff of that nature? I, I was thinking and pondering upon that. Now, um, we need to look at verse 8 here in Genesis chapter 10. And he says Kosh begot nimrod he began to be a mighty one on the earth he was a mighty hunter before the lord and therefore it said like nimrod the mighty hunter uh, before the lord and at the beginning of his kingdom was babel take note of that word. was babel eric Akkad, and Kauni in the land of shinar from that land he went to assyria take note of that and uh, built nineveh and um, rehoboth Er, Kala, and uh, the resin between nineveh and Kala, that is the principal city you, you, you see that so friends we get to see that the first time we get to see um the term babylon now in the ancient world babylon wasn't called babylon it was called Babo. i hope you're quite conversant with them um, the reality of um uh, places changing names but they remain the same places so this is what we are talking about here now babylon was actually founded by a man called <laughs> nimrod you know and nimrod is not a very cool name nimrod is a name that actually means um defiant you know this is what it means it means the defiant it means rebel and um basically that is what it means and be careful about the names that you may give to your sons and daughters so and the Bible says yeah, he was a great hunter before the Lord and he set up these cities. Now, you're going to be tempted to think that when uh, they say that uh, he was a great hunter before the Lord, it is an innocent thing. It isn't at all. When you go to the Hebrew root of the word, um, before the Lord, uh, it is panim in Hebrew, which basically means uh, against. In other words, he was a hunter that chose to pursue his own will, uh, against the face of the Lord. This is what it means. And friends, it's very easy for us to castigate Nimrod, but basically this this is the condition of uh, uh, the fallen um, human. It's the condition of uh, fallen humanity. This is who we are. And this is why we keep telling people that you need Christ. David says that in sin did my mother conceive me. And uh, Paul makes a case in Romans uh, chapter 3, and, and 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 actually, in the whole of that book, in chapter two, he gets to show us that uh, you know the the Jews, even the Jews, were not good enough from their own. In chapter three, Paul makes a case uh, that uh, even the the whole of humanity uh-huh, was not good enough before the Lord, and he shows you that you know Gentiles and Jews alike were not good enough uh, before the Lord, and everyone. And this is where the famous verse that we learn of Romans 3, 23 actually comes from. Paul summarizes uh, that reality in when he says that all uh, have sinned and fall short. Don't change the English. I know it sounds funny, but that is what it is in Greek. It says all have sinned and fall short. In other words, it is in the present continuous. People continue to fall short of um, the standard and holiness of the Lord um, as, as long as they remain apart uh, from him. And this is what we mean here. Friends, this is the source of uh, all evil and all demonic worship. When you go to uh, Genesis chapter 11, we are further going to look at uh, what uh, happened in there. That is what happened. Let's uh, take it uh, from verse 11. You get to realize that Nimrod did not um, simply uh, construct, you know, a um, did not simply become rebellious before the Lord and leave it at that, but went right ahead to put it into action. Uh, I want us to look at verse uh, Genesis chapter 11, and we'll take it from verse 1. He says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and uh, it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and uh, bake them thoroughly. They had a brick for stone, and uh, they had asphalt for mortar. And uh, they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the world." Earth. Now, that statement right there, lest, uh, lest, um, we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth, is. The proper representation of the 311 rebellion of nimrod you know of the people of babel babel that was established by nimrod now i want you to remember that after the flood the lord told noah to uh, go right ahead to um, reproduce and uh, fill the face of the earth that was the command of the lord you know as soon as uh, noah was saved out of uh Um, you know, the the flood. This is what we get to see. Uh, You you get to see that? Now, by Nimrod going against this, and the people of Babel going against this, they are basically going against God, and we are not surprised that when they build a tower, they are building to go into heaven and make a name for themselves. You see that? Mm, This is what they are doing. So, we get to see this rebellion. Now, there is um, a legend that has it Amongst uh, the people of um, amongst the people of Babel and Babylon and the Far East, by the way, you need to know, and this is why people ought to respect the Bible. If you think the Bible is just a story, and you think that when we talk about Christ, we are simply, uh, you know, talking about just any other God, not at all. He is the only God and the only way to the Father. This is what we are saying here. You know. You do not think that you're going to follow just anyway and get to the Lord not at all. The Bible is so real and all these places that we are speaking about are actually real places and these are realities that we are speaking about that have happened. Babylon is a city that was and is real. You know it it is about 56 55 miles uh you know south of Iraq. It is still there. By the way, when Uh, Saddam Hussein reigned in Iraq. He um, harbored emotions and uh, intentions of um, uh, rebuilding the glory of uh, Babylon. He he really tried. And um, he went right ahead to construct a palace and stuff of that nature. You, you, You see, these things are real. When we speak of countries like Iraq and so on and so forth, you're going to see rivers like the Euphrates that that are talked about the things are real they're there in the middle east for for those of you uh that uh have have traveled you're going to find that what we are speaking about is um real Uh, is 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 real so this is what we are saying when you go to baghdad and then you go south you're going to find that the location of babylon is there and that the bible says that it's going to be reconstructed if you look at um Um, Revelation 14, 8, it gives you the impression that when the angel speaks of fallen, fallen is Babylon, and uh, it is speaking of future, you get to have a feeling that this city is somehow going to be reconstructed, rebuilt, and it will be destroyed all the same. And I was telling you that there was a legend amongst the um, the Babylonians that um, this great guy, of course, demonically great, um, Nimrod, Went ahead to get uh, a wife um, who was uh, called um, um, Simramas, and uh, they got a son called Tammuz. You, you hear this? Why does the Bible say that Babylon? I'm trying to answer that question. Why does Revelation 17:5 say that Babylon, Mystery Babylon, the Great, is the mother of all harlots? And speaking of harlots, in terms of uh, you know religious harlotry. Because you're going to know that uh, oftentimes in the Bible, God points to uh, uh, worship as a relationship of intimacy, uh, spiritual intimacy between God and uh, the believer. And oftentimes believers were referred to, especially Israel, as the wife of God. This is what uh, Ezekiel 16 actually does. It's not actually surprising that God refers to the church as his bride. And therefore, when the church goes against uh, God, or, or the church can't go against God, ideally. But when people go against God, it is spiritual hallow uh, tree. The, this, this this is what God told Hosea, that go right ahead and get yourself a wife of hallow tree. What did he mean? He actually said that when Hosea does that, it would be a representation of the hallow tree of Israel. What did he mean? Israel had gone into um, idolatry, and basically God points to that as spiritual idolatry. So you can get to see that it is a, a very serious thing here. Now, in the same direction, God refers to Babylon as the mother of all um, harlots and the abominations of the earth. This speaks of um, um, spiritual idolatry. speaks of idolatry, speaks of um, all this sort of stuff of going against God. And we shall continue explaining it until it becomes so clear, so we are saying uh, that these guys are uh, a legend that um this guy Nimrod got a wife um who was called Simramas and that uh, Simramas begot a, a son called Tammuz. Now you're going to see where this comes from in uh, when you go to um, um Ezekiel chapter eight and verse must be fourteen, you're going to realize that the people of God, right in the holy precincts of the temple of God, we are worshipping Tammuz. Are you getting to see that. When the Bible says that Babylon is the mother of all herotry har- and idolatry, this is what it means. So you're going to see that it went on spreading. It spread um, when it went to Syria. Uh, they called Simulamas was the mother. And Tammuz was the son. So going to see this pattern repeated all around these nations. When you go to Syria, uh, they worshipped a, 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 a woman called Ishtar and uh, her son called Tammuz. In, in, uh, among the Canaanites, and we know this very well, they worshipped Ashtaroth and Baal. And uh, this Baal ended up, and actually Ashtaroth herself ended up being... Uh, uh, being worshipped even in Israel, sometimes they related Ashtaroth uh, as 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 a wife to Baal, but it is this one and the same thing. is connected, coming right from Babylon. When you went to Egypt, they worshipped Isis and Horus. You see, and uh, for so, those of you that are you know keen about spiritual stuff, and uh, you get to look at, uh, should I say this? You get to look at uh, the dollar bill. Yeah, you're going to see a pyramid at the back. And there is an eye in there. And uh, it is claimed that that represents, the, um, that represents Horus. Because Horus was a god that was worshipped and had that sign in Egypt. Remember, Egypt at some point was a great power and uh, a superpower, world power. We are going to see that in this very chapter. The Bible alludes to that. When you went to um, among the Greeks, they worshipped um. Uh, Aphrodite and Eros. I think you remember that in finally, Among Us, the, the Romans, they worshipped Venus and Cupid. And for me, Cupid uh, sounds like stupid. And <laughs> I don't know why they went right ahead to worship Cupid. It uh, sounds like it was actually stupid to do that. Uh, you see that? So when God speaks of this, and he says that Babylon was the mother of all idolatry and tree and all the the abominations of uh, the earth. This is exactly what he means. God did not teach people to do this. He gets to a point and he tells Israel, and who taught you to do this? I never taught you to do this. He tells them. He really does. But friends, I want to bring it closer to where we are. When you go to Exodus chapter 20, the Bible speaks of um, a warning to the children of Israel, and he says, do not have any other God besides me, for I am your God who... um, delivered you out of uh, Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not have any other gods before me, neither should you make yourself any graven image um, in the heavens, down on earth or down below the waters that are below the earth. Never worship them or bow before them, for I am a jealous God. This is what he says. Friends, uh, by extension, this applies to us. You get to see that what God actually means is that you can have a God of your own. You surely can have a God of your own. It may not be Horus, it may be Shtar, it may not be Tammuz, but we are saying you can make an image of yourself. And we are saying all this, God relates it to the fact that it sprang out of, um, you know, spiritual Babylon that we are going to see here. This idolatry comes or stems out of there. It can be traced back to. Uh, Nimrod, just like we saw in Genesis chapter ten and uh, eleven, today you're going to find people that are worshiping their money. They do not think about anything else. They won't come to church. They are minding their business, not in English but in commerce. Yeah, they open up their shops, hardware's, hotels, and restaurants, and they're basically, you know, property companies. They're basically concerned about these and nothing else. You don't tell them about anything else. Going to church is a wastage of time. Friends, that is your Tammuz. That is your star. That is your Horus. That is your Isis. You see? Basically, that is what it is. You're going to find people that are worshipping their figures. And the young lady is walking around and moving around. And uh, I, I mean, they, 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 are, they are goddesses. They want to be worshipped because of their beauty. And men are doing this. They are men that are worshipping women and women that are worshipping men. And we are saying that is your Tammuz. It is... Basically, coming and um, erupting and emanating out of um, um, evil Babylon, and um, being uh, transferred, you know, by osmosis, spiritual osmosis um, through uh, the tree of uh, spiritual uh, Babylon, we must guard against this. If people can worship the politics; they can worship power; they can be drunk with this power to the point that they will kill anyone that opposes them. Even when it is positive criticism, this will happen. You're going to find certain churches that claim to be churches and they are being eaten up or they have already been eaten up by all these sort of uh, perceptions. And friends, I want you to be careful. It is not something that you are going uh, to, uh, you know, deny that it's not happening today. It's not something that you deny. Uh, Praise uh, the blessed Lord in uh, our lives. So I think you get to see that it is very close unto us. Do not look very far. It is here. It is here. It is in purported churches. And this, friend, this is what I want to uh, question you about. Do not think that uh, this is very far. Don't think that we believe the same with each and everyone that is around you and claims to be believing in Christ. Look at their confession of faith. Get to look at it. Okay. So at this point, we want to uh, jump back into the main text and wind it up. Having done that background, here he says that the one one of the seven angels who had the seven powers came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great Harlot. That is what I meant. God is going to judge the great Harlot, who is who? Who is Babylon. Now, th- there is there has been an argument, and it still goes on among uh, Bible scholars that uh, this basically refers to spiritual Babylon and not physical Babylon. But uh, somehow, I believe it refers uh, to both. <laughs> by default, first and foremost, the context here points to spiritual Babylon. God is speaking of, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the setup of, uh, by the way, there is going to be a single world religion at some point. And when you look at all these confederations that are being built, um, East Africa, in Sabah, in, in, in the south of Africa, the, 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 the European Union has already taken shape. You know, the U.S. is one big block, and so on. You know, the Bible speaks of these ten confederations that will come up at some point. You see, the U.N. is in play. We know that at some point this is going to happen, even when I'm very sure I won't be here. I think I'll be in some place in heaven that has the equivalence of Wi-Fi and pork, and, you know, I'll be somewhere there. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We know that. So he's speaking of this spiritual Babylon first and foremost. He's speaking of the spiritual Babylon here. And how does it operate? Look here. Look, look, look at what is happening here. About three ways. One, influence over leaders, two, influence over all the people. Three, um, infusing, you know, religious um adherency and submission uh, through them. So those are the three ways that we get to see here. He says, who sits on the many waters? Now, when we go to verse 15, you're going to see John interpreting the many waters here. Then he said to me, verse 15, in the same chapter, chapter 17, the waters which you saw, where the, where the Harlot sits, are the peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Are you seeing that? So, the Harlot, in other words, this uh, funny, uh, demonic, spiritual, religion that is um, dominating, is basically dominating people. And this is why you see these days, uh, people are not so concerned about the things of God. Paul cautioned us, and he said in the later times, or the later days, people the love of many will grow cold, and people will be indifferent to the things of God. This is what he says Um, in Second Timothy uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4, and you can actually look at it also in chapter 3, where he speaks of the signs of uh, the end of the age. And he says, we sit so many waters, we've interpreted those with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of, the fornic- of her fornication. So he speaks of the kings of the earth and these are people with influence over the globe, over the confederations that we are going to be looking at and they are controlling the people by way of this sort of worship. Now, I want you to remember that in chapter 13, we looked at the beast out of the sea, the beast out of the land, um, and uh, the, the, the 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 dragon. In other words, we looked at the Antichrist, and we looked at the false prophet uh, who empowers the worship of uh, uh, the, the, ant- the Antichrist, and we looked at the dragon, who is the devil himself, that empowers these people. And this is what uh, is being replayed here. It's what we get to see. So you can get to see that this is uh, um, quite absurd and complicated. We need to guard our hearts well ahead of time. And he says, it, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy. So you can get to see this. Now, some people may have questions and they're like, why is it always a woman in evil portrayed to be carrying evil? I know you've studied the book of... Uh, Zechariah, if you go in there, you're going to find it. Uh, the woman that was sitting on her, uh, that, uh, in, in the basket that represented evil. And now we are seeing uh, another harlot here. But I mean, this is getting things out of perspective. Because the Bible also speaks of uh, uh, that holy woman in uh, Revelation 12. You remember her? Yes. Who begot a child, who was uh, Christ himself. The Bible speaks of Mary, and uh, it was just a woman. Who God chose to use to bring a savior into the world, so it is a, a just being a, a gender phobic if you go into that sort of stuff. And he says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. Now, that scarlet beast is the same as the beast that we see in um, that we see in um, Revelation chapter 13. And when he calls it scarlet, scarlet is basically bright red, yeah, bright red, and that could signify the blood um, of the martyrs that the beast of the saints and the righteous that the beast had, uh, you know, uh, shed, which was full of names of blasphemy. So you can see it blasphemed about God, uh, against God, and we've seen this time um, without number in chapter 16, in chapter 9, even when God punished these people, they did not. Repent by the blasphemed Him, so this is typical of the devil having seven heads and ten horns. Uh huh. So the horns are ten and the heads are seven. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. Now, purple is a color that represents royalty and elegance, yeah. And uh, scarlet is a color that represents bright red. You see, it could point to blood being shed. You see. So, this woman was, uh, represents demonic religion that has worldwide control and influence, but basically reigns through elegance, wealth, and uh, sheds people's blood. That is the pointer there. And adorned with gold and precious stones, you can look at this affluence and wealth, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the fitness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written: "Mystery Babylon, um, the Great, the Mother of Harlots and of the Abominations of the Earth." So you get to see that the chapter basically speaks of um, a world religion that reigns in affluence, a lot of money and um, precious stones, and also reigns in um, it. It reigns in influence over kings and stuff of that nature. So we want to understand. today as people pursue wealth as people pursue influence without god they are following their own religion do not ask what someone believes in if they don't believe in god they basically believe in that it is their religion and friends the influence of babylon is already here it's going to come to its epitome and climax at some point but it is already here and friends you need to guard your heart against it you see And then this is why he finally says in verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. I think we can get to see that. This religion stands typically against the saints of God and by default, against or by extension against the Lord himself. You see this? This is where we have a deep, deep problem. So, When John was marveling, here he says in verse 7, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit. I hope you don't get (laughs) confused and go to the perdition. And those who dwell on earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is john makes a very important point there he says that in as much as all these things will be reality they are not going to scare anyone that is uh, safely and um undividedly committed to the lord by their faith they are safe and secure this reminds me of that great order um hymn that says uh Leaning, leaning on, yeah. You remember that yourself and sound in Christ alone. Uh, that reminds me of that. So he points that out. He also mentions the beast that carries the woman. What does this mean? If you go back to Revelation 13, you're going to remember that the beast was the antichrist himself, and that the woman, uh, who is the harlot and is a world religion, basically is going to point to. Uh, some sort of one world religion that is uh, initially initiated by uh, uh, the false prophet and uh, it basically empowers um, in a sense it encourages uh, people to worship the beast without knowing or with their full knowledge this is what he is saying one rises or the other one empowers the other Some, even when the religion comes up as if it's is right now over and above the beast for some time But we are going to see that the beast will come through and will go on top, fulfill his agenda um, of uh, confusing people for some time, but will not go through with it because the Lord is going to come and will judge him with the breath of his uh, uh, mouth. Verse nine, he says, here is the mind which has wisdom, the seven heads and seven mountains, he explains it, on which the woman sits, there are also seven kings. Listen to this. Five have fallen, look at the tense, five have fallen, Um, past tense, one is present and the other has not yet come, future tense. And when he comes, he, look at, look at, uh, look at, uh, you know, the, the provision there, he, it is one, he, when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself wow also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition i hope this doesn't confuse you (laughs) he's saying that when you look at these kings or the seven heads that he spoke about and the ten horns he basically horns in the bible represent power yeah and heads influence basically so he says of the seven heads yeah the seven heads and seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. And uh, here in history, when he says five have fallen, friends, it is real. Look at kingdoms that have been here. They have fallen. Look at kingdoms that have been here and have gone. The first one that we know that have been at global scale was Egypt. Was Egypt was followed by Assyria. Assyria was followed by Babylon itself that we are speaking about here. Babylon was followed by Medo-Persia and Medo-Persia was followed by Greece. So you can get to see that those are the five being spoken about. And he says, one is, remember the point when John was writing, the Romans were the dominant power and they were actually persecuting the church. One is, that points to Rome. This is why we tell people, friends, the Bible is so real. It is a truly historical, but also, spiritual book forget about these stories of such and such a holy book fell from heaven i I mean these are stories that are conjured these are stories that are conjured but you can get to see all this reality and i want to tell you do not be deceived in any way that the bible was written by one man not at all for over four thousand six hundred years different authors you know same spirit same god being wired together you can get to see how the jigsaw of the uh, the parts of the Bible fits together. It really fits perfectly, indivisibly together. You can get to see this cannot be the hand of man. And if you reject it, you reject it at your own period. So you can get to see that. And then he says, and the other has not yet come. And who is that? All of us know that that is the Antichrist. And when he comes, he must continue a short time uh, speaking of... um. At the seven-year period of uh, um, tribulation and the beast that was and is not that is the Antichrist is himself also the eighth in other words he becomes um, the seventh when he comes and he will become the eighth why he's going to give us the reason because all these people that is leading you remember the ten horns they are going to gather and they shall give him power when they turn against what they are calling the harlot, uh, that, that sort of uh, reign of that religion, where they turn against it. And they give, they're give they going to give their power to the Antichrist. And when Christ comes, he's basically going to shove him aside, and he shall usher in the reign of uh, uh, the Lord himself. In verse uh, 12, this is where this is say the ten horns which you saw, and ten kings, and that is clear. Now, you're going to ask, who are the 10 kings? For now, we don't actually know who they are. But they are going to arise. And they're not just going to be 10 kings reigning over 10 countries. We believe that there are going to be about 10 blocks or confederations that are going to come up. And friends, this agenda is already being set up. If you're following um, events on the international scene, you see, on the global scene, um, there there is a strong advocacy towards... Uh, regional blocks and corporations, you, you, you get to see that, including the East African <laughs> community and uh, South Africa already has one and so on and so forth. The European Union, like I told you, is there and uh, there is the Pacific Caribbean and African fraternity and so on. We know that these are finally going to uh, be formed into like third confederations, or blocks and uh, these leaders at some point are going to give their leadership to just one leader out of them and this guy is going to be demonically empowered this is why i warned and i said that um, you can be demonically great and people say you're great this is what we are saying mind your greatness mind your greatness the writer of psalm 84 warns and and, and he says that for him it is better to be a gatekeeper in the house of the lord than than being great and spending days of greatness in the tents of uh, the heathen and evil people so this is what he says here these are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast these will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for the lord of lords and king of kings for he is the lord of lords and king of kings i love that i love it and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful friends Endeavor to be a part of the chosen and faithful people of God. For the rest, we've already explained it. We have already explained the rest. But, friends, Babylon is going to fall. And this is what the Lord is actually saying. According to um, uh, Revelation 14 8, it will kind of be rebuilt, but the Lord is going to shatter it and uh, will bring it down at some point. You are going to realize that these realities. Uh, actually coming Iraq is so real it is over there and you know the, 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 that is the land of Mesopotamia all around there so they are going to try to rebuild this it is said that when Saddam Hussein uh, reigned in Iraq he tried to revive the Mesopotamian or the Babylonian Empire and uh, he deliberately made a coin at some point and on one side of the coin there was the image of Nebuchadnezzar and on the other there was his own image Uh, You you see that? So this is what we are talking about here. God is going to overthrow um, Babylon in its greatness. And uh, our prayer is that you don't fall with it. You don't fall with it, both as a spiritual reality and as a physical city that is going to be re-erected at some point. Friends, what sort of, um, you know, conformity or attributes of Babylon do you find in your life? Are you pursuing money as a God? And I'm not saying that money is uh, entirely bad on its own. I work and I get money. Yes, that is true. But we are saying there are people that are basically living for money and pursuing it with all their zeal and might. There are people that are pursuing women with all their zeal and might, political power and stuff of this nature. And they stop at nothing, even if it means killing a man. Friends, we are saying That is the spirit of Babylon, and we ought to deal with it. May you break out of this Babylon. And if you want to accept the Lord today, that is the only way that you're going to be able to break out of this spirit of Babylon. For he says in verse 14 that he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are his, uh, those who are with him, are called chosen and faithful. So if you want to be among the chosen and faithful, You better accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Father, bless us and help us to know you and honor you. And um, may you come and reign in each each and everything. Today we surrender unto you. Tell him, dear Lord, I surrender to you and break out of uh, evil Babylon. And I submit to you, may I not be consumed by the spirit of Babylon that is already at work in the world. May I focus on you that is going to overcome it and overcome it physically and spiritually and give us eternal life. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed and believed. Amen. May the Lord bless you, friend.